Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I'm your host, Shane Bacon, a melancholy Monday here after news of the passing of Arnold Palmer. Mr. Palmer was unlike anyone else that's ever touched a seven iron. He changed the sport of golf for the better in his own way, making the British Open popular to American fans, bringing us a 24-hour network dedicated solely to the sport of golf, playing the game his own way, a unique way that translated to seven major championships and 62 PGA Tour wins. Arnie wasn't just cool. He was the coolest. He was a man's man, a guy's guy, a, a golfer's golfer. Watching old highlights of Mr. Palmer is like stepping onto a Hollywood set where they're filming an unlikely, unlikely movie about an actor turned golfer. He was almost too cool to seem real. Uh, my dad, who I talked to this morning, you know, the guy that taught me the game of golf, uh, mentioned that Arnold Palmer was his hero, uh, you know, uh, really a testament to the, the generation that got to watch Arnold Palmer compete uh, week in and week out. Uh, It's so many cool events, so many uh, amazing championships, Uh, such a run in his career, you know, in the late 50s and early 60s when he won those four Masters. uh, He was an an animal on the golf course and, of course, such a gentleman off it. Uh, I wanted to read this excerpt. Um, This is from Chasing Greatness, a a great book about um, Oakmont. And it's interesting. This is actually about uh, Arnold Palmer not winning um, the 1973 U.S. Open, Uh, but you know, he struggled a bit late in his round, and, and, and this says, with the round finally over, Palmer sitting in the locker room in his underwear with a cigarette in one hand and a beer can in the other, spoke with a swarm of reporters, many just as dispirited by his back nine collapses Arnie's army. He said, I won this tournament once when I wasn't really supposed to, and four other times I lost it when I should have won it. I guess that's how things balance out. Not long after, Palmer showered, thanked reporters, volunteers, USGA officials, and fellow club members then hopped into his Cadillac for the short drive back to Latrobe. I mean, if there's anything that, that explains Arnold Palmer, cigarette in one hand, beer can in the other, he just lost the U.S. Open. He wanted to win the most, the one at Oakmont, the one he'd, he'd circled on his calendar. You know, every time uh, the USGA announced they're going back to Oakmont, he, he, he takes a moment to himself, and then he goes and thanks everybody and, and goes and thanks the officials. I mean, you see so many players these days uh, bypass the media, get into their car, head to the airport, you know, head to their private uh, plane and, and get out of there. And, and, and Arnie, of course, uh, typical Arnold Palmer fashion, uh, you know, took a minute and, and said thank you to everybody. And, and I think it's an important uh, reminder of just, uh, you know, the kind of guy he was and, and the kind of professional he was. I think that's really what he was uh, so good at is being just being a professional at, in every regard. Um, so uh, rest in peace to, to, to Mr. Palmer. And more importantly, thank you. And And, and I said it. Uh, during a couple of the interviews that, that we have coming up. But, you know, this is a celebration of a man who changed uh, the sport that I love, the, the passion that I have for golf. Uh, a lot of it comes from, from, from Mr. Palmer, and it comes from um, the way he went about it, the way he did this uh, this professional golfer turned, you know, businessman turned uh, face of the game. And, uh, and he will be missed for sure. And uh, a couple of people um, to talk about that now coming up on the podcast first. Uh, a big thanks to Bob Ford, of course, a longtime head professional at Oakmont and good friend of Arnold Palmer's, was actually at the airport flying home uh, and took a few minutes just to chat with us about Mr. Palmer, first time he met him. Uh, tells a great story about being in the pro shop at Oakmont, meeting Arnold Palmer at, at just 19 years old. And then John McGinnis uh, joined me after uh, just to chat about Arnold Palmer. You know, John, a professional golfer, now turned uh, broadcaster and, 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 and radio host, and great personality of the game, a guy that, that that really cheers up the room when you're around 
uh, John uh, has a little Arnold Palmer in him, and I just thought he was such a good person to bring on uh, and chat about that as well. So uh, we'll start with Bob Ford, uh, and then we'll go to John McGinnis, and that'll do it for, for today's podcast. Uh, we're not going to talk Ryder Cup. I, I, I thought Mr. Palmer, uh, and just talking about his legacy, maybe just for me, I, I wanted to do it. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll get to Mr. Ford, and then we'll get to, to John, and, and we'll come back later in the week with uh, a little bit more um, Ryder Cup talk. Because, I mean, it is, you know, it is the Ryder Cup, and I'm, I'm sure Mr. Palmer would, would want us to focus a little bit on the competition as well. But uh, first things first, important to, to, to just you know, pay our respects, if you will. Um, and, of course, today's podcast brought to you by Swing Juice, golf T-shirts for the true golfer. The designs are ever-changing and always on point with some Ryder Cup-themed shirts up on the website right now. Use the offer code BACON. To save 20%, visit swingjuice.com right now. And with that, let's get to Bob Ford. And we welcome into the clubhouse Bob Ford uh, on the podcast prior to the U.S. Open. Uh, of course, talking talk Oakmont, uh, a different talk today. Uh, obviously, the news of the passing of Arnold Palmer uh, hitting a lot of us close to home. Mr. Ford, you were, you were very close uh, to Mr. Palmer for a long part of your life. I just wanted to ask first things first. Uh, do you remember the first time you met uh, Mr. Palmer and where that was? Well, Shane, I do. You know, I was 19. I was working in the pro shop at Oakmont, and it was the 1973 U.S. Open. And Arnold walked in to pay homage to Lou Warsham, who uh, was a great friend of his and a former Open champion. And you remember Lou and Buddy Warsham were best friends at, at Wake Forest, so the Palmers and the Warshams had a great connection. Right behind him, Jack Nicholas walked in, and, and uh, Lou came out of the office to say hello to those guys. So three of them were standing in front of me at the uh, counter in the pro shop. And you can imagine being 19 years old and having those three guys. I, I just I couldn't even – I was speechless, could hardly move. But uh, shook his hand, and, uh, you know, here we are some 40-some years later. And, you know, you hear so many people talk about uh, the energy that, that Arnie possessed and, and really the you know how he would command a room and how – um, he seemed like he was everybody's uh, best friend. He made you feel really comfortable. Did, did you feel that right away? I mean, did you feel that as a 19-year-old that was shocked two of the biggest legends in the history of golf just walked into the pro shop? Well, Shane, you know, it, it was a pretty, a pretty brief encounter at that time. And, you know, Arnold, as you know, contended for the Open uh, that year. So that was my really my only encounter with him. But in 78, the PGA came back to Oakmont. And he uh, called down to Lou Warsham again and said, you know, I'd like to come down like Thursday the week before and, and maybe get around and any of your assistants want to play. So uh, Brett Upper and I uh, were the assistants at the time, along with his son, Rick. And Brett played the front nine. I played the back nine with him. And, uh, you know, to be out there playing golf at Oakmont with Arnold Palmer, the legend, at, at, you know, in his prime was just incredible but he just you know he just made you feel like uh he was just one of the guys and and uh just he, he immediately made you feel equal to him and and comfortable around him he was yeah as you know and as everybody knows he was just that kind of guy yeah and you know you read these quotes from some of these players like phil mickelson um saying you know he looked up to him he idolized him ricky fowler um you know calling him my friend i mean you see players that have, have really kind of followed the path that, that Arnie laid out. I mean, it, it, as being a professional golfer, really, uh, you know, shaking hands with fans, interacting with people, uh, signing autographs, taking time out of their schedule, their day to do this. I mean, is Arnold Palmer, in your opinion, the most influential person in the history of golf? Oh, I, I don't think, I mean, there's not even somebody on the same list. 
Yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody's like Arnold. Nobody had the impact on the game and started the Champions Tour. He started the Golf Channel. He rose, you know, raised purses, raised awareness of the game. No, I mean, up until, you know, up until the day he died, he was influencing the game in such a positive manner that nobody will ever come close to that. And when did you become friends or, or, or cordial with Arnold Palmer? Because, you know, you, you meet him as a teenager, um, but, you know, you're, you're the head pro at Oakmont. I mean, you, you're in charge of, of, of one of the most, you know, distinguished golf courses in all the land. When did you become uh, friendly with Arnie, and, and when did that kind of relationship take hold? Well, I think probably the, you know, the biggest bonding that I had with Arnold was in the 83 Open, Shane. Um, you know, I had organized a practice round with, with Arnold on Tuesday. And uh, we had Jay Siegel in the group and Ben Crenshaw. And when Ben came to the course that day, he said, uh, you know, I got Miller Barber with me, which meant we now we had five. And quite frankly, I felt like the odd guy out. <laughs> but Bar- Arnold wouldn't hear of it. And I uh, went to P.J. Boatwright, who was running the Open at the time, and said, you know, we got five, you okay? And P.J. looked at Arnold, as you and I would have looked at him, said, yes, sir, King, you guys do whatever you want, just keep up. And uh, so we went and played. And, um, you know, that week I think we kind of bonded. And, and every time I got to play in a major after that, you know, he always invited me to play with him. And uh, just, just an extraordinary guy. And you got to play some golf with him at Latrobe. Uh, what what was going to the course that he grew up on, you know, the place that Arnold Palmer uh, learned to play golf? What was that experience like, getting to go to that golf course with the man, you know, the myth and the legend that was Mr. Palmer? Well, Shane, you know, going to Latrobe was cool. I mean, you knew you were in Palmer country, and uh, the fact that he stayed in Latrobe and, and uh, how down-to-earth his offices were and his club and his home and uh, just such a you know, common, ordinary guy, which is all he ever wanted to be. Uh, it was extraordinary. You know, his, his club up there, many people have been up there. It's just such a, such an epitome of, of his life and what he did. And, and, you know, then all of a sudden he gets in his car and drives a mile away and goes to the Arnold Palmer, you know, regional airport and goes and flies somewhere and does a commercial and flies home. He's home for dinner time. So, just, you know, is an extraordinary life, an extraordinary guy, and uh, just all of us were just so fortunate to know. And, and Mr. Ford, I know so many people have great Arnold Palmer stories, so I had to ask, do you have a story about Mr. Palmer that, that, that pops up in your head, that the one that, that you really kind of, uh, you know, think about when you think about him? Well, I think about a lot of the stories that he shared with me, Shane. Sadly, I can't share them with you. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he, he just, you know, I mean, he would sit and hold court, you know, at, at Latrobe at the round the round table with, you know, six or eight of, of uh, all of us who were just drooling and hanging on every word that he had. And uh, I, I think, you know, seeing him at Latrobe at the round table, going to Bay Hill and seeing him in that clubhouse at the round table, hanging with the boys, uh, Arnold just wanted to be one of the guys. And he, you know, for somebody who was so iconic in the world and so wealthy, uh, it's just really, you know, a great lesson for everybody that's, you know, in his league at all, uh, just to be, just to be a regular guy and just be a, a guy's guy. And that's what Arnold was. He was just a guy's guy. Well, Mr. Ford, I appreciate you taking a few minutes. I know you're, you're traveling back, uh, back home for, for, uh, for the funeral and all that, but, um, I appreciate it. I know you're really close to Mr. Palmer. I know it's not the easiest time, but uh, you know, it's a celebration of a, of a legacy as well because uh, I mean, he was he was such a he lived such a life. I, I think it's it's important for everybody to remember that 
that we need to celebrate the life that he had as well. Um, you know, as we kind of mourn this time. So I appreciate the time and uh, and thanks so much and safe travels. You bet. Thanks, Shane. Take care. Many thanks to Mr. Ford, as I mentioned. You know, took some time away uh, at the airport as, as he was traveling back home. Um, so thanks so much to Mr. Ford. Love chatting with him. Anytime I get the opportunity, obviously, not the, the most opportune time to, 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 to talk anything other than Mr. Palmer, but he was very kind to do that. And just a reminder, visit swingjuice.com right now uh, for the most comfortable T-shirts out there. Golf-themed, always funny, always on point, always topical. Uh, exactly the kind of T-shirt you'd want to wear uh, post-round, uh, before the round, or if a day you're not playing golf. Go to swingjuice.com right now. Use the offer code BACON, and that'll save you 20% on your orders. They have some Ryder Cup shirts up right now. They're perfect for uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and beyond. So go check those out, swingjuice.com. Uh, and now, uh, John McGinnis. And now welcome into the clubhouse, John McGinnis, of course, famous for Katrick and McGinnis on tap, <laughs> 5 to 7 Eastern, Monday through Wednesday on Sirius XM, uh, 208 and Channel 93, and following coverage, uh, uh, following the, the finish of play on Thursdays and Fridays as well. So make sure you tune, tune into the show. John, uh, I wanted to have you on. Um, you're a guy that, that played professional golf for, for a number of years, and, uh, and and really looked up uh, to Arnold Palmer just and what he was about and the way he went about life. Uh, so first things first, uh, do you remember the first moment uh, you got to meet Mr. Palmer? Like it was yesterday, actually. Uh, 1995, remember Arnie played his last U.S. Open in 94. Uh, I qualified for the U.S. Open at Shinnecock, and I played my practice round on Tuesday and walked into the locker room and Arnie had a locker and the door was open and there was a suit hanging on the door and his watch was there, his wallet was there. I mean, it's wide open. Who's going to mess with Arnie's uh, stuff, particularly at a, in a USGA locker room. And uh, I just, I sat there and waited uh, until I, he was in the shower. I waited until Arnie came out of the shower uh, to, to, I waited to put his clothes on before I went and introduced myself. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and he he was just like what everyone said. But it's, I mean, he he immediately comes out and he's messing with guys. And and I mean, we we as we celebrate his life, you know, he was such a people person. But but he was yeah, a sharp needle. You know, he he'd come at you. And it was fun because getting picked, there's nothing better than getting picked on by the king. Uh, so, yeah, that was the very first time I, I met him. And, of course, um, I, I didn't I didn't play well enough to uh, to, to be on his radar during my playing days. But I, I since then, have covered the Bay Hill Invitational for, for years and years. And um, now, of course, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And one of my favorite days in broadcasting every year has been the Tuesday where um, – you get into town, and, and just after lunch, Arnie sits down with the media and sort of gives his state-of-the-game uh, speech and tells him where he thinks everything is and changes he made to the golf course. And then he just would take questions, and there'd be laughter in there. There wouldn't be a, a, an empty seat. Um, everybody in the media wanted to be there and be a part of that. So, yeah, nothing but fond memories from me. Yeah, and and you know you speak of moments like that, and, and to me, um, it, it encapsulates not only Arnold Palmer but what Arnold Palmer has been able to do uh, for the sport of golf. 
you know, when you think about moments throughout the year, every year that that are number one and number two on not just fans' uh, radars, but uh, a media member, you know, somebody that's that's covered 30, 40, 50 majors. I mean, it's when, you know, Arnie and Gary Player and Jack Nicholas tee off at the Masters. I mean, it's it's a must-see moment. And it's amazing, you know, you, you don't get to go watch, you know, old baseball players pitch. And you don't get to go watch, you know, old basketball players shoot threes and, and, and go up on a layup line. But, you know, in golf, you get to watch the king hit a golf shot at a place that he won four times. It, it, it's unbelievable and it's so special to get to see him not only do something like that, but interacting with guys you know he battled with for years and years and years. And you're looking at at legends that we'll talk about 100 and 200 and 300 years from now as one of the best golfers and really the person that changed the game uh, at a time when golf wasn't the coolest sport in the world. No, but he certainly he certainly did make it so. Um, you know, and most of it had to do with the fact that he was on a Palmer, but he was also. For, for a four-year stretch, um, he played better golf than just about anybody's ever played. Right. Uh, you know, he won 29 times in four years. Tiger hadn't done that. DJ Singh didn't do it when he was at his best. Bill Mickelson hasn't done it. Jack didn't do it. Tom Watson didn't do it. The only person to win 29 times in four years since Byron Nelson is 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 Arnold Palmer. And um, it, it was it was the fashion in which he did it, the the confidence that he brought to the golf course and. I remember having a conversation with him early on in my broadcasting career, 04 or 05, uh, when Tiger was, was Tiger. And we talked about expectations and what it's like to show up and be expected to win at every golf tournament and uh, how it wears on you. And you know, he was one of the few people that was uniquely qualified to, to have that conversation and to explain what downtime is like for, for that guy that is expected um, so much of. Yeah, and, and I mean, you mentioned it. You know, so you hear a lot uh, yesterday and today. You know, you're hearing a lot about Arnold Palmer, the man, and it is worth looking. And you mentioned it, looking at, at the way he played. You know, really from '58 through '64. Uh, I mean, if you go look at, at his finishes in these major championships, I mean, it is Tiger esque. It is Jack esque. I mean, it's it really it's it's Arnold esque because he did it himself and and was really before the before the times there. But you know, this was a guy that smiling, talked to fans, interacted, but he was out on the golf course wanting to kick your butt. And, I mean, for a, for a good stretch uh, early in the middle of his career, he did just that to some of the best in the world. And, uh, you know, he wasn't afraid of anybody. I, I think when you look at players today, you know, that tenacity that Arnold Palmer have, you know, you don't see it as much in some of these players, I think. Arnold was out there to win, and, I mean, he, he didn't like losing. I, I read a couple of books, you know, on the way – you know, you know, he felt after he was still gracious to fans, but he wanted to win events. And I mean, you know, he was at, you know, at Oakmont trying to win U.S. Open there for his fans. I mean, this was a guy that did it and did it uh, for a stretch that, that was as impressive as anything we've really ever seen in golf. Yeah, I mean, you really can't overstate how well he played. You can't overstate the influence that he's had on every athlete that's come after he and Mark McCormick invented the corporate endorsement. I mean, it, it existed on some level before them, but, I mean, they perfected it, and it's been copied by the, the next four generations, really. And, you know, we're hearing about $10 million to sign with Nike. Well, 
That's all because of what uh, what Arnold Palmer did back in the 60s. Right. It, it, I was going to ask. I, I asked Bob for this same question, and I, and I, I love hearing these stories because they're just always so fun. Uh, do you have a particular Arnold Palmer story that sticks out in your mind um, from your, your experiences with him uh, when you got to play and, and really post-playing? Uh, it all would be after I played. And, uh, yeah, there, there were a few interviews that uh, that I got to do with him. I didn't, although I did have um, a beer or two in the locker room there at Bay Hill when he was holding court, but uh, my personal interactions with him always came um, in, in an interview, and I, and I actually told this story last night. Uh, the guy who taught me how to play, who was a contemporary of, of Arnie's and played the tour uh, with him briefly, uh, died a few years ago, and I was scheduled to do um, uh, an interview with Arnie on a day at a funeral, and it was at 11 o'clock. The funeral was an hour away, and it was at 1 o'clock. And when I called the office to record the interview, they uh, they said, you know, Arnie asked if he could push it back. He had to run home. He wasn't feeling well. And so I ended up thinking to myself, Carl Desern would want me to wait and do this interview with Arnold Palmer, not come to his funeral. And uh, that's what ended up happening. And it was it was uh, quite a moment. And uh, Arnie wasn't very happy with me when I told him the story off the air. But glad uh, <laughs> he understood. Yeah, he, I said, no, no, I, this, is exactly, this is exactly what Carl wants me to be, I promise you. Yeah, and, and I mean, he's everybody you talk to has these little moments where Arnold made him feel special. I think that's something that, that really has, has come to the forefront, not just in the last day and a half, but you know, in the last five years, last ten years. Everybody has a little story of of Arnie making them feel bigger than they are or they were. And, uh, you know, it, it it's so unique. I'm not sure we've seen a superstar in golf, uh, you know, understand the power they possess like Arnold Palmer did because he was able to influence people unlike anybody else, maybe in sports. And I think the legacy that he leaves in that regard is something that, you know, we randomly see a player do something like that. Phil Mickelson able to kind of, uh, you know, command the moment with with fans, you know, out there. I, I feel like Ricky Fowler a little bit like that as well. I mean, do you think there's there's anybody that that you see in today's game that has a little bit of that Arnold Palmer in them? Uh, you know, Phil, um, Phil Phil watched Arnie and decided. Uh, you know, he, he I've heard people in his camp tell the story that you know that he made a conscious decision to try to be more like Arnold Palmer. Um, with with fans, with uh, autographs, with all of those things, and I think we can all agree that uh, Phil has transformed himself in that regard, and has has become one of the game's great ambassadors. Um, I, I think Ricky will certainly get there. I, I see it in this younger generation; these kids that have that have come along, and you know they they get it, and I think they get it because of. Uh, it, it probably starts with Arnie, but but those that that came next, Peter Jacobson, um, you know, taught it to the next generation, and I think that I think that these kids are getting to the point where they, they're understanding just how fortunate they are to, uh, to to be doing what they're doing, and that all that all stems from from on high with Arnie. Yeah, and and I I sent some pictures out last night. I mean, I think that it's worth noting. This guy was an absolute stud in his prime. He was good-looking. He was athletic. 
He dressed well. I mean, he was tan. It was It's unbelievable to look at some of these pictures of Arnold Palmer in yeah. his prime and go, that guy played golf? I mean, he, he looked like a model almost. Yeah, my favorite one is uh, is standing behind, standing beside the convertible Cadillac and the turnabout <laughs> at Augusta. With the red Cadillac and the contrast with the green jacket, it was, to me, that, that, that was my favorite one, although there's so many that uh, we got to see last night on Golf Channel and Sports Center. Uh, I mean, yesterday was uh, an NFL Sunday, and there were lots of big stories. And then uh, the tragedy with uh, Fernandez, the, the, the 24-year-old pitcher from uh, from Miami. And all of those stories ended up taking a backseat to to this one on the national platform. And I was curious to see how that was going to play. But uh, they – you know, they understood how big Arnold Palmer was um, and how important he was to, to all sports, not just the game of golf. Yeah, and, and it's interesting timing, too. I mean, you know, you, you know, nobody can ever predict anything like this or, or expect it, but, you know, Arnold passes uh, the week before the Ryder Cup, which is a, a very, very, very big sporting event, a very big, you know, international competition. Uh, it, the, the Ryder Cup will feel a bit different this week, at least I think so, um, you're going to hear Arnold Palmer's name over and over and over again. I mean, you, you, do you sense that this American team w- will be able to rally behind, uh, you know, Mr. Palmer and what he did for golf, what he did for American golf, what he did for international golf um, throughout the, the three days of competition this week at Hazeltine? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like the American team uh, from a, I mean, from a betting standpoint, I like the American team. I, I think that this was just one heck of a team that, that we've assembled. And um, and I trust Davis to to do the the parts of the job that he can control, which obviously he did a, an incredible job on the parts that he controlled uh, four years ago well, when he had the four point lead. Um, you know, you can't can't really do anything about the, the singles. Right. You just send your boys out there and play. But you know, when you're matching guys up and, and doing the things that that you can't do, um, I. I, I like Davis, and, and yes, I think that they're going to tell their Arnie stories, and they're going to, um, you know, they're they're going to certainly look to him. Uh, I think, you know, Ar- Arnold was maybe one of the most civil gentlemen that has ever lived, and you contrast that with not only the Ryder Cup coming up, but there's a little political thing going on tonight that <laughs> will be absent civility. Um, I can I can guarantee you, and the contrast of that, uh, I find to be terribly interesting as well. Yeah, well, it, it, it's been a, an interesting last day and a half. Um, you know, I, I I mentioned to Bob Ford, and I'll say it again. You know, there's there's a celebration to be had in a sense because you know Arnold Palmer lived such a full life. He was able to do so much for so many people, and he was he he changed an entire sport for the better. And it's it's really incredible to think back on a guy that's just been doing this for, for decades and decades and, and, you know, rest in peace, Arnie, but thank you. And I think that's what we all can agree on is, is thank you for, for just being you because, um, you know, he, he, he did so many things for so many people. My dad called me this morning and said, you know, Arnold Palmer was my hero. And I mean, you know, hearing that from my 67 year old father is, is just interesting to hear. So John, I appreciate you coming on and, and chatting with me just a little bit about it. I know it's not the easiest thing to talk about, but Arnie, uh, you know, again, would just appreciate, I'm sure all the kind words. Well, uh, thank you, and keep up the good work. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. And that'll do it for uh, the Monday podcast here on the Clubhouse. Uh, Many thanks to Bob Ford and John McGinnis, uh, them jumping on kind of last minute to talk about Mr. Palmer. Uh, Make sure you 
you have an Arnold Palmer today, just as a, as a little respect at your own house uh, during lunch or dinner. Um, he was uh, he was the coolest, and and I've said it a few times, but there's no other way to describe him. Uh, he will be missed, and uh, personally, the uh, the moment that I will remember the most of Mr. Palmer in my career was my first Masters, uh, rushing out to see uh, Jack and Gary and Mr. Palmer hit those tee shots the first year they did it, and uh, and getting to watch that whole uh, that whole thing. Uh, transpire was was just one of those dreams come true in your career so uh that'll do it for this week as i mentioned we'll have a Ryder cup podcast coming up on wednesday or thursday so look out for that uh subscribe if you will visit swingjuice.com and again thanks to both of the guests this week uh it, it was it was really kind of them to come on 